0: I gotta tell you, just just an honest moment, family moment. There are a few things more uncomfortable to me than being in front of a bunch of people and music playing. That's just first of all, okay. That's that's just by itself. And then when it starts to get go haywire, man, it's tough. But uh, man, I've I've been there several times before, and it doesn't always happen this way. But man, it's beautiful. Like when that stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> Because God is still God and we're still singing our hearts out to him. And so, man, just good to be with you and and sing with you. And I thank you for being a church that loves to sing and and loves to worship God. This morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We left off there last week. It's verse 14, so we'll pick back up in just a minute in verse 15 as I cap this water off really quickly. And I tell you about a time probably 15 years or so ago now when I was fresh probably six to eight months into being a youth pastor, student pastor for the first time. It was kind of my lifelong dream from the time I was probably 12 or 13. I actually told the eye doctor when I was eight that I wanted to be a pastor, Uh, but at like 12, 13, I thought, man, I really want to hang out with youth and and help youth group grow and know Jesus. And so I was about six to eight months into my first opportunity to do that full-time vocationally with my life and I was riding around with the guy who became a great friend of mine and mentor of mine, my lead pastor. His name Jeremy. And I don't remember specifically what it was that was scaring me and wigging me out. But there was, there was something that I was needing to do as a, as a youth pastor that was coming up for me. And I was, I was just nervous about stepping into that moment and saying that thing or doing whatever it was. And, and I remember we were riding around in the car and, and I was talking to him about it. And I said, man, you know, it's just, it's just tough for me because I'm an introvert. And he literally did that thing you see on TV where somebody laughs so loud that the water comes out of their mouth. I said, I'm an introvert. And he said, and just laughed. He said, you're an introvert? And I said, yes, man. I'm like, you know, I mean, I love people very much, but I'm kind of like, I get kind of shy. I'm kind of socially. Oh, he's like, Jason, you're, you're not an introvert. He's like, I'm, I'm not. what you're saying may be true, but you're not an introvert. You're the guy who wrote a song specifically about your own beard and played it publicly for other people. <laughs> You you posted it on iTunes so that people could go listen to it on their phones. Introverts don't do that. You barge into people's houses at 6 a.m. with permission of their parents, obviously, but, but you sneak into people's bedrooms with leaf blowers and film it and wake them up abruptly. The spotlight's on you. Introverts don't do that. You love to be in front of people and teach God's word. I've seen you sing out loud spontaneously along with the song in the grocery store. I've seen you continue. I mean, he just kept going. I've seen you keep singing the song even when the music stopped at the grocery store and you looked at the lady who looked at you and said, this is a good one. (laughs) You're not an introvert. And man, I'll I'll never forget that moment because though I do have some just odd social characteristics that fit into my personality, it was eye-opening for me to go, you know what, I... I may not be as much of an introvert as I thought I was, right? Like I thought of myself as kind of this withdrawn dude and I'm going, wait a minute, now that he's pointing out to me all these things that I can do and he wrapped that down, of course, by encouraging me on what I could do. He's like, you can do this because this is who you are and this is what you've done. Now that he's pointing it out to me, I, I see myself differently. And, and in that moment of seeing myself differently and therefore having more confidence to walk forward I was able to go and do what I needed to do and that's the moment that I'm hoping this series of Bible study these weeks have been for us and continue to be for us is that we would see ourselves rightly we would see ourselves the way that God has told us that we are and therefore we would want to know how to walk forward in that and we would be encouraged and have confidence not in ourselves but confidence in our God and his work of remaking us to walk forward into what he calls us to do. I told you the first half of the book, right, is God telling us who he's made us to be. The second half of the book where we are now is him telling us how to be who he's made us to be. All right? So we're going to pick back up 2 Corinthians chapter. Five, I said 2 Corinthians. That's our memory verse. <laughs> that was one of those slips that happens on purpose. All right? So uh, super accident, but you're going to feel the pain. So we're going to recite our memory verse together. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm sure that if you're a committed part of Dublin Bible Church, you already know this verse. You may have it tattooed on your back or something by now. I don't know. All right? But we're going to try to say this together. All right? I don't know why my wife's laughing at me. It gives me confidence issues. How many times we got to talk about this? Anyway. All right. So... Um, we're going to put the verse up on the screen for you, and then we're going to see if we can say it together. Here we go. There it is, all right? Uh, it's not in a different language. That is simply the first letter of each word, all right? Because I'm trusting that you already know it. This is just a little bit of help. But let's try to say it together. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I forgot to rehearse this morning, so this may get tricky, but it's okay. Here we go. One, two, three. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It has come. And that's what we're reading about and studying about today. I love that I accidentally said Second Corinthians, so you would have to do that. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. We'll read a couple of verses. Come back and talk about it. It says this. It says, "Look carefully then. look carefully then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So in this first phrase, he says, look carefully, then. Right? That word then, you can think about that as like an if-then statement. Right? If one thing is true, then this thing is true or needs to be true. If this is true, then this is the advice or direction I would give you. This is what Paul is saying. As I thought about this, I thought about what it is that maybe our mom or our grandmother would say to us if we told them as kids we have a tummy ache. What's, what's the first thing that they say to you? If you say, my stomach's really hurting, what do they say? Use the, bathroom. use the bathroom. I was thinking more refined, like, have you been to the restroom? My boy Keith just said, go use the bathroom, all right? But anyways, right? i got to use it, right? Here's the deal. Right. They say, hey, listen, I hear that you have a stomach ache and it's a natural gut response. I say it to my kids. Right. Then go try to use the restroom. Right. If this is true, the logical next step is this. This is what Paul is saying. I've just finished up this first section of verses in chapter five. He says in these last few verses, we've talked about the need for you to be a distinct people. Not that you're walking around with your head held high above others. Not that you're walking around thinking of yourself better than others. But that you are distinct, that God has so changed you that you're not a little bit like the culture around you, that you're living in that culture, but you live with a different aim, just like we sing. "Like the glory of God be our passion. He says, be distinct and try to discern what is the Spirit's leading, the will of God, right? So he's saying, then... If you're going to do that, then if you're going to be distinct with your life so that your life would be a bright signpost that points to Jesus, then if you're going to do that, then do this. It says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Right Off the cuff, I read this for the first time Um, recently as I was preparing for Ephesians again. I went back and read it again for the first time. And my first thought was, what do we even say about that? Because I don't think there's much to say. I think everybody would rather be wise than unwise. And then I remembered some of the decisions that I've made in my life. (laughs) And then I remembered some of the decisions that I've made in my life, even when I knew better than the decision that I made, and I still made it. See, the reality is that we all know in theory, we all adhere intellectually to this idea that yes, of course, I would like to live in wisdom, but when wisdom interferes with our pleasure, when wisdom interferes with our comfort, when wisdom interferes with our plan for our lives, when wisdom is in contrast with things we already have set in place, then all of a sudden we have a decision to make that shouldn't be a decision to begin with. He says, do you want to be people who are wise or do you want to be people who are not wise? He says, listen, I'm telling you, live as wise people. People who are wise, quite simply, they have knowledge and they apply it correctly. They seek out the truth. They seek out the right knowledge, the best knowledge. They seek out the truth, and they do their best to apply it rightly, right? So you're not wise if you just happen to have a whole lot of truth but do nothing with it or choose to rebel against it. You're wise in the eyes of Scripture, in the eyes of God, when you go, I'm hungry for truth. Even if it makes me uncomfortable, I want to act in it. I want the truth, and I want to live it. This is wisdom. He says, live Not as unwise, but as wise, looking carefully after how you walk. We've talked before multiple times in Ephesians, walk is a willful repetitive. You stumble on accident. You trip on accident. I was getting into my truck in a store parking lot this week, didn't lift my foot high enough. I fell. Okay, trying to get up to my stepside. That was not on purpose. Wasn't planned. Not planning on doing it again. Not repetitive. Walking is, I have set a destination for myself, and I'm picking up one foot and placing it in front of the other over and over again to head in that direction. And Paul says to the Ephesians, look carefully at how you set this path for your life and how you take each next step towards that destination. Look at that and look at it carefully. See, don't be unwise. You see, they already had been being wise. They were listening to the teachings of false teachers. They were starting to wonder and drift away from the gospel. He says, don't do that. Instead, look carefully. Can I just ask you, as as hopefully a point of God's word digging its way deep down into our souls and therefore our lives, I trust that we as followers of Jesus have kind of intentions in our minds or maybe pictures in our heads of, yes, I want to live for God. Of course we would say yes to that. But can we truly be identified as people who say, I look carefully after my life and how I walk. There's there's a difference between an intention and a careful plan. There's a difference between a dream and a set destination and strategy to walk towards it. Right? The difference between just looking and being aware of what the right outcome is and having some level of desire to get there that's just looking but then there's looking carefully as I will look intently I will invest energy in my own life and saying I will pursue Jesus at all costs <laughs> I remember I used to lose I still i, you're about to say I, I, lie, I was about to say a about but say I used to lose my keys a lot I lose my keys all the time still but it used to be worse as a teenager I was new to having keys remember one night I was close to curfew, and my parents were calling me, telling me to hurry up and get home. I couldn't find my keys. My mom said, well, look for them, hurry up, get home. But I was cuddled up with my boo thing, right? And so I had my arm around her. We were watching a funny movie. I wasn't in a hurry, so I just kind of looked from where I was sitting for my keys. Right? That way, I mean, I was such a deceiver. I was shady, y'all. That way, when they asked me or if they called back, I'd say, yeah, I looked. Right? So I was sitting there on the couch, and I was looking for the keys. Didn't find them for a while. Got to hang out a little bit longer, right? With some girl who didn't hold a candle to my wife, by the way. (laughs) Found out later, I was nuts to be sitting there when I could have been on a hunt for this lady. Anyhow. But I remember not long after that, I left my keys at a tennis court and my dad had had enough. And I remember him saying to me on the phone as I rode shotgun with a friend, if you come home without those keys, you don't drive that car for a long time. And I remember saying to my buddy, hey man, you gotta take me back up there. I remember being at that tennis court. Man, people must have been looking at me like I was crazy. I don't know why. I was staring down at the ground deeply as if the keys were the size of an ant. I don't know. But I mean, I was like everywhere on the fence looking in the weeds, places I hadn't even gone at the park. I'm like, maybe a bird carried them over there. Got to find these keys because if I don't, my social life is stripped away. I no longer get to drive and go and do. I get to ride next to mommy. (laughs) You see, when there's a valuable outcome at stake, we invest energy in the search. And what Paul says is this, look carefully at your life. Not judging yourself and giving yourself no grace and no breathing room because the moment you give yourself no grace, you don't give yourself what God gives you. You deny him and you fail to honor him. All right, so it's not a legalistic bashing of yourself, but it is a purposeful gazing at your life and planning of what is next for me as I follow Jesus in my faith. He says, do these things, look carefully, try to be wise instead of unwise. And he tells us the reason why. He says, because the days are evil. (laughs) Because the days are evil. I'm not sure we really believe that. We do on some sense. We know that, that the world apart from Christ that's not redeemed yet, that doesn't know and love and honor him, we know that that's not really who we want to be we know that that's not for us but but I'm not sure we buy into the fact that, that we might say hey it's, it's 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 not exactly right it's it's yeah, it's a little bad what what god says in his word is it's evil because it's anti god Right, It doesn't mean that as Christians we go out into the world with a pitchfork and and we're just looking for everything we can call out and everything is wrong. But we understand that the principalities of the world that are at work out there in the system that are driving the whole thing, they are those that have rebelled against our God and wish to destroy us. Now, to me, that sounds like evil. He says be careful with how you walk because you're surrounded by dangerous things, not things that you need to be fearful of, but things you need to be careful of. Right, I don't have to be fearful of a, a big fat fire ant but I do want to be careful not to let it camp out on my big toe Right? it's not going to kill me I'm not going to die it can't take away my life but it can bring a whole lot of harm and discomfort see my wife swell up with one this big before we went to the hospital whole other story your pain level should be at least a 7 when they ask that question if you're going to the emergency room anyway all right? I'm not fearful but I'm careful he says, be careful how you walk because the days are evil. Then he goes on to say this. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish. The opposite of wisdom. Don't be foolish. Don't be someone who doesn't seek and yearn for truth. Don't be someone who has truth and doesn't apply. it. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He says, don't be a fool. And then he's going to unpack for us a little bit of what it looks like to be foolish. He's going to give us a good example. This is a hot-button issue, I know, because we're in the South, right? Right? And it's okay that it's a hot-button issue, but he uses this example. He says, listen, don't let yourself be drunk with wine. Don't drink so much alcohol that you lose control of your senses. Now, I want to make sure I've just put it out there. If you hate either thing that I'm about to say, we can meet for coffee this week, and you can yell at me. Just make sure that we do it at a time when Nick can be present with us and protect me, okay? But, 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 but here's the deal. I've searched all through Scripture. I've studied all the arguments about strong drink and all the the different just mincing apart of of words and the original language, all this stuff, and I can't find anything convincing in Scripture that tells me that we should never, ever have a drink of alcohol. I just can't see that, okay? But what I do see clearly is that we have a God who calls us away from that which would wound us and damage us. And always when he calls us to repent away from something, he offers us something good in its place. So away from a loss of our intellectual abilities, away from sound decision making to sober mindedness. He says don't indulge in something to the point that it controls you. If you can't control it, then completely do away with it because don't be controlled by something other than your Lord, your owner. His name is Jesus. His name is not on the side of any bottle. Right? And Listen, I know that for some of us, this is falling on deaf ears, and you're going, "Hey, I'm, I'm not, not a thing for me. I just don't do it at all." My personal decision for me, for Jason is I, I don't either, just because I know that for me, I just don't want to even venture in. right? <laughs> I know my personality type, right? But that doesn't mean that if somebody else does, that we look at them sinfully, the sin happens when we give ourselves over that word debauchery means excessive sensuality. It means that we give ourselves to what our senses feel, and we say, yes, 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 and more and more and more doesn't matter if it's wise, doesn't matter if it's hurtful to myself or others, doesn't matter. I say yes. Listen, Maybe it's not even alcohol for you, but are there areas in our life where we say yes to what our senses say over and over? We just say, yes. <laughs> Caffeine, big- time struggle for me. Sometimes I'm more victory, victorious in it, Other times I'm not. I've already told you about banana pudding. I heard somebody brought some today. I don't know why you would throw a stumbling block in front of your brother. I'm sure there's going to be a millstone waiting for you in the parking lot. We're going to drive you to some water somewhere, right? Right, and it's funny, and we laugh about it, but I bet you laugh because you understand. You understand that when you walk through the kitchen, you're not necessarily hungry and you've just eaten, but you know that that whatever it is is there waiting and you can have it now if you want it. And so you just kind of drift on over and have it before you even think about should I have it or not have it. You just let the, the taste and the sense of how it tastes in your mouth go. Yeah, we're going to do this. It may not be food for you. There's a million different areas that appeal to our senses and the call here, specifically without call, but I think it applies to us in totality, is this. Don't be led in excess by your senses. (laughs) Don't do that because what you're really doing is letting yourself be a puppet and letting your senses of your body hold the strings and just move you around like it wants to. You're no longer in control like you think you are when you give yourself to that. He says, don't do that. But instead, here's the good thing that you turn to instead. He said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be Spirit-filled. Another sometimes sticky wicket in theological Christian land. <laughs> what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? We've talked about it, I believe, even in this series. right? And so as best I can understand from Scripture, God gives us His Spirit fully and wholly at salvation, he inhabits us. He gives us himself. Right. So when we're talking about being filled with the spirit, we're not talking about do I get more of his person with me or less of his person with me. What we're talking about is a heightened awareness of and influenced by his spirit. We're saying, when we say, God, I want to be filled with your spirit, we're not saying, hey, God, I want you to come do something in this moment that's never happened in me before because your spirit dwells and lives in me. I need him every moment of every day. I need him there for guidance. I need him there to whisper prayers (laughs) to. In the moment when I don't know what to do, and I need to go, God, help me know what to do. Right, I need the spirit with me always. Thankfully, he is. We're not talking about presence. We're talking about awareness and influence. The spirit-filled life is a life that's saying, God, I want to know your nearness, not just with my head, but with my heart. I want to trust your closeness. I want to be aware of you with me, and I want your influence to lead my life. That sounds really honorable and like top-shelf Christianity. Yes, I want that until the spirit prompts you with something weird. until something triggers off in you and you're not sure whether it's God or not but the best thing you know to do is go for it even if (laughs) doesn't happen for me spontaneously like that all the time it's not a super regular thing but it does happen sometimes and there's been some moments where God has prompted me to reach out and call somebody at an odd time somebody I don't even know well and I've reached out to them and they've wound up in tears we developed a discipleship relationship they were baptized it was a beautiful thing there's been a time where I felt like God was prompting me to go knock on a door and ask the people if I could pray for them, and the people slammed the door in my face, and I went, I must have misheard from God, <laughs> right? The question is not, how does the outcome always go? The question is not, will we be certain? The question is, will we live by faith and desire to be aware of God's presence and influenced by his leadership? He said, you want to walk differently than a life that's out of control and led only by your senses, desire God's leadership in your life, desire and awareness of his presence, be filled with his spirit. And then he's going to give us in these next few verses, a very short sampling of some ideas of what that would look like in our lives individually, in our lives as a community. This list is not an exhaustive list of what it means to be spirit filled, but it's going to give us some ideas. So he said, be filled with the spirit verse 19, he tells us how, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's interesting, he says, the first thing that we're to do is to be singing. (laughs) Because if you're filled by the Spirit, you know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be obedient to be singing. You're going to be singing, and it's interesting, he says, you're making this melody, which I think is a reference probably to instruments and not just voices, but whether there's just voices or instruments involved in the the picture every week or in every moment, he's saying you're making this melody and you're singing this to the Lord, but did you notice that there's also another hearer? (laughs) There's another hearer. He says, making melody to the Lord, but you're singing and addressing these songs to who? Who? to one another. Interesting verse, especially in a culture where we're so individualized and we, and we say, hey, it's God is your only audience. Yes, ultimately, God is who it's all about and who it's all for. There's no doubt about that. But check this. Make sure you grasp this and understand this. There is power in the community coming together and singing together because when I'm having a low day and my faith is feeling stripped down and I hear your voices, even if they're imperfect, singing, that God is strong and that there is hope in the promise of the cross, that does something in me because I'm wired by God for that to do something in me right we sing not just because it's part of the program we sing not because we have to we sing not just because it's it's something that we want to show our giftedness in while we gather as a church we sing because there is a god who is worthy of our songs and he has commanded that we do it and be led by his spirit to do it and he says when you sing it matters to others You, know, i don't sing well That's <laughs> okay sing Sometimes I don't do any of this stuff up here well. I just still try to do it. He says, listen, sing what? Sing psalms. Right? I think that's a reference to psalms from the Old Testament, maybe put to a hymn. Right? He says, sing hymns. That's probably songs that were specifically about Jesus. Right? I think we see one of those maybe in Colossians chapter 1, various other places in Scripture, but they're Jesus-specific songs. He says, or just sing some spiritual songs as well. Sing them all, right? What's that? Maybe it's not scriptural. Maybe it's not one of those other two, but maybe it's still something that is about Jesus and it makes much of him. And so sing that too, he says, and sing it. And in that, be encouraging to one another. Make sure that everybody can hear you singing and let their hearts swell. And can I just throw this in, right? I I just feel like I need to. I'm grateful for technology. I'm grateful if you're watching at home today and you can be encouraged. And, man, if you're sick or on vacation or whatever, that's all good. Love you. So glad you're here. But understand this. You can't address songs to one another from your couch. Right? And that's not the only thing. I'm not going to get on that hobby horse and ride it. But I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that the people of God are called to do in interaction with each other that we're not going to be able to do unless we commit to being together. Listen, I don't know if it's right or wrong or indifferent, but I do know that it's true that when we walk into a room and there is more loud singing, it sounds like a bigger deal, and we're more impressed by that. That's why when you go to hear a symphony in an orchestra, they don't turn the volume all the way down and have two little instruments just going... Everybody's sitting up in the balcony leaning forward like, I think that's good, that's right. No, you're overwhelmed by this is beauty and it is resonating in me. Can I just say something to you? Your attendance here as we gather as a fellowship of faith in Jesus' name, it's not all about what you get right? It's also about what you bring. <laughs> Listen, can I just be really honest with you? Honest pastor moment. I'm a pastor. There are Sundays that aren't ideal for me to show up for the gathering, right? I know that's going to blow your mind. There's sun- I don't wake up every Sunday feeling as pumped as I do other Sundays. I'm sorry if that lowers your opinion of me or whatever else. Actually, I'm not because what I want you to hear is that Jesus is worthy of it regardless of how I feel about it. So if it makes me look bad, but it shows his worthiness, let's go for it. Listen, I'm just encouraging you to hear that what you do when you gather here matters. When you sing, it is an anthem of God's glory making its way deep into him, the souls of others. And, and, and like it, right, wrong, or indifferent, that impact can be diminished when we're not around, and it can be increased when we are around and committed. Would we be people who would be committed to singing these songs in the company of each other, ultimately to the glory of God? He says, if you're a spirit-led person, you'll be a singing person. Got no problem when you listen to some other music, doing your deal, whatever it is for you, as long as it's honoring of Jesus. But where is the space in your life where you're singing songs to the God that you love? And Be led by spirit, be a singer, he says. What did he say? Secondly, said, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus. When you're a spirit-led person, you'll be a thankful person. <laughs> I don't know where I picked this up. I'm assuming probably just just almost without it being taught to me, I just picked it up from my family. But, man, I, I remember, I wasn't even in the room for it, but but I just remember the story. It was so impactful to people in my family telling me that once my Paw my dad's dad, had passed away, unexpectedly emergency situation that the very first thing that my dad did was get everybody in the room and get on their knees and pray to God and tell God thank you for the dad that he had had. Thank you for the fact that at least they knew where he was and we could honor him rightly and then he began to express his needs. God, we need your strength. We need your help. We need. But it's just ingrained, right? Let's be thankful first. My kids are probably so sick of hearing it, and I love it. It's one of those cool dad things. They go, oh, this is horrible, right? Whatever it is, there's nothing good to eat in the house, right? Right? This is horrible. Can we go do something? I'm bored. And I'm like, I wish I could get bored, right? Can you give me some bored? I want some boredom, please, right? They complain, and I go, hey, listen, it's okay for you to feel what you're feeling. It's natural. It's normal. It's good for you to feel what you're feeling, but... Zoom back and see the big picture. You're really blessed, right? There may not be anything quote-unquote good in the house to eat. I get that there are no wings meals from dubs sitting in there waiting on you, and I would like that too. But there are people whose bellies are distended and poking out because they don't have food at all, and they're sick, and they're malnourished, and they're dying. And we got food in there. We're just looking at it going, "Eh, I don't know, right? We're so blessed. We have so many, there's never been a moment in your life, there's never been a day in your life, there's never been a second in your life, there's never been a circumstance in your life where if you sat still and decided to, you couldn't make a long list of things to thank your God for. Your absolute worst day, it was treachery and and it was horrible, and I get it, I've had some of those days, but I still had plenty to tell God thank you for. Spirit-filled people are thankful people. They choose to be thankful. They choose to recognize how blessed they are, even in the face of great adversity. He says, be singing people. Be thankful people. Then he says, lastly, and we won't spend much time here. It's kind of a hinge verse into what we're going to go into next week. But he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I just want you to see this and understand this, that when you are spirit-filled, when you are aware of and led by the Spirit of God, that's not just making sweet kumbaya moments between you and God in heaven. It is supposed to impact your relationship between you and everybody on this earth. (laughs) To change your perspective in how you treat them, it says submitting to them. It doesn't say enduring them. It doesn't say, I guess I'll put up with them. It says submit to one another talk more about that next week but just grab onto this if nothing else if you're going to be a person who embraces the identity that God has given you by his grace in Jesus Christ you're going to live led by his spirit one of the things that's going to happen is it's going to radically impact your relationships with those around you if those around you don't see a different you than you would be without Jesus if those around you don't see your gratitude for God and thankfulness to him and worship of him through your life then we need to ask ourselves, why? What is missing? Because if we're led by the Spirit of God, it will impact our relationships with each other. Church, you are such an awesome church. There's such a sweet fellowship here. I just keep thinking and daydreaming and praying that that God is going to teach us more and more about how to take this submitting to one another, this humble love, that sincere love for each other that's here. He's going to teach us how to take it and just churn it up and shake it up so it's about to explode and then just point it out at the world. I believe it can happen. But the question for us is this, will we live like who Jesus has made us to be? Will we live who he's remade us to be? Will we live our new identity or will we kind of be aware, have a good intention, but no looking carefully after how we walk? If you're here today, you don't know Jesus, listen. I hope that you can hear in honesty that, that walking with Jesus is not always easy. I hope that you can hear that it's not always just a clear, still clear. You don't say, Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior, and then you get a manual in the mail the next day that tells you everything to do, one life or another, like, say this to that person, do this, sell that, buy that. It doesn't work that way, right? But I'm telling you that following Jesus by faith, that that there's nothing that could compare to it, and, and that your absolute best day without him doesn't even hold a candle to your worst day with him. If you don't know Jesus today, man, come find me when we're done. Come find somebody in this room. Check on that card near your seat and say you want to speak with a pastor, and Lord willing, we'll get with you this week. But don't be unsure about whether you truly have genuine, real, saving faith in Jesus and do nothing about it (laughs) because even that decision is a decision. You're doing something. Consider Jesus. Follow Jesus. Leave the other stuff behind that would control you and lead you, and let him lead you. Followers of Jesus here today, maybe you already know where God has pointed his word directly into your life. Or maybe we need to ask him. Would you let him lead you? Even if it's uncomfortable. Let's pray. God. I'm simultaneously so aware of how often I just miss it. But God, I praise you and thank you that I am very aware of and the core of my heart bubbling up strong passion to want to follow you. And I know that that's only in me by your grace. I praise you for that. God, I ask that you would alert our minds, that you would prompt our souls by your spirit that you would whisper to us whether to turn to the right or to the left and that we would hear those whispers and shouts that we would know that something's different going on because our God is leading us. God, let our lives be distinct, not so that people will say that our lives are distinct, but so that people will see Jesus. Give us joy in worshiping you, not just with our songs, but with our lives. Let us have joy in that. Lead us in how it is that we can graciously, yet boldly interact with the world around us that doesn't love you and care about you and honor you. It's hard, Lord. We don't, we don't know how to do that all the time. Help us. God, if you do nothing else for each one of us in this room, I ask that you would. And I'm, I'm asking you with my whole heart, God. Would you give each one of us our next step of faith? Would you show us what our next step of faith is, God? God, give us the courage to follow. We love you. We want to love you more than we do. Bring that about in us. For the glory of your name and our joy therein, we ask it all, Jesus. Amen.